How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hi, it's David Locke of Locked On NBA and the Locked On Podcast Network. I hope you've taken in our mock draft. It's a five-part series. Picks one through 30 with a little touch on the second round as well. And fantasy expert Josh Lloyd stopped by as well. Mike Schmitz of Draft Express was a key part of this broadcast. He and I sat down for an hour and we talked with about all 30 players that we drafted in our mock draft. It's a very raw conversation. It was simply trying to get the sound bites, but I've decided that for a Tuesday before a Thursday draft, there's really nothing better than Mike Schmitz just running through the 30 33 top players. It's raw. I mispronounce names everywhere. I was going to go through and try to fix that and decide that hopefully you'll just not bang on me for it too badly. Um, And really, it's Mike's content that's the key here. So here is kind of a pseudo podcast with Mike Schmitz. Top 33, mentioned 33 players in this draft. We'll give you everything you need to know about them. It's all the breakdowns we had in the mock draft with all the local angles, uh, but I think you'll enjoy it. By the way, make sure you subscribe to your local favorite NBA team's daily podcast. And also, for all the big news that's breaking, these guys are doing incredible work day in and day out of the Lockdown Podcast Network, so make sure you grab that. Here is my conversation with Mike. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, so we're going to be very simple today. What Mike's brilliance is, is knowing the players, their strengths, their weaknesses. His videos are incredible. Um, Upside, downside, uh, best comps, things of that nature. And so we're just going to run down the top first round project, you know, guys in this draft. So let's start at the top. Strengths, weaknesses, breakdown, Markel Fultz out of Washington. Yeah, I think Fultz is the franchise guy in this draft. To me, he's he's the number one pick. I think he really fits just what teams are looking for in, in kind of a lead guard in today's NBA. Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? Uh, I think he can play both. He has great tools for a lead guard. He's about 6'5", with a 6'10", wingspan, uh, really a late bloomer. Um, was about six one as a as a junior in high school playing junior varsity basketball. So his ascension has been remarkable. Um, fluid athlete, really shifty, has a has a unique body control and athleticism about him that makes him really dynamic, both in the open court and in pick and roll. He's one of these all three level scorers who can make threes off the bounce, get to mid range, has floaters, can really pass. So there really aren't a lot of holes in Markel Fultz's game. Um, you know, some people have compared him to maybe somewhat like a James Harden. Uh, I think there's maybe a little bit of Brandon Roy there, uh, maybe some a little bit of Dwayne Wade in some ways as well, I think. Um, but to me, he's the guy. There are questions about winning. Um, you know, Washington was kind of a cellar dweller in the Pac-12, uh, one of the worst teams in the country. Um, his, his defensive focus, I think, has a long way to go. Um, a little bit streaky as a shooter also, but – 
you know, I think if he goes to Boston and, and, and gets in that system with Brad Stevens and those guys, uh, he's the star of this draft to me. Fabulous. Let's go to Lonzo Ball. And Lonzo, really, really unique player. Um, different than Fultz in a lot of ways in that he's not your conventional, you know, modern lead guard type. He's not the most experienced, uh, you know, pick-and-roll scorer. Uh, I think he's going to figure it out as a pick-and-roll passer, just not something UCLA did a ton of. But uh, really unique 6'6", tremendous instincts on both ends of the floor. Uh, not one of these pounded point guards, not a guy who, you know, eats the clock and, and kind of freezes guy, guys out. He's constantly moving the ball. He can spot shoot. Um, he can play on or off the ball. Uh, you know, defensively, he's not all that physical. Um, he's a little bit light and somewhat casual at times. Um, you know, I think there are some questions about his ability to kind of score out of ball screens, get to his jump shot because it is a little bit unorthodox. Um, but to me, Ball is the second-best prospect in this draft. He impacts the game in so many different ways. He turned that UCLA program around uh, almost single-handedly. So, uh, to me, he's a no-brainer at number two. Only concerns I've heard of him are, one, competitiveness, that he might have tapped out against Kentucky and Arizona when they got into his shorts. And then I still wonder, in your film study, his shot's unique. When the game gets fast and that shooting window is smaller, do you have any worries there? I don't. With the competitiveness, I don't. He can be a little bit aloof, I think, at times. But overall, I think he's a really competitive kid. He's a ballsy kid. He made a ton of big shots throughout the year for UCLA. You know, I live in L.A., so I was lucky enough to see him, um, you know, at least 15 times at Pauley Pavilion. Um, and to me, he's a killer. He just kind of has a, a quiet, you know, casual uh, demeanor about him. But he's a winner in every way as a shooter. Uh, it doesn't worry me all that much. You know, I think getting to a shot off the dribble um, is going to be somewhat of a challenge early in his career. But I really like that he can shoot off the catch. Um, he has great balance, uh, good feet underneath him, can even, like, run off screens a little bit. So uh, I think, you know, with the way he plays and the ball constantly moving, he's ready to shoot when it comes back to him, and he's really instinctual playing off the closeout. So, you know, maybe some questions about getting to that shot off the dribble, but overall uh, I'm not all that concerned. Let's move to Josh Jackson out of Kansas. Yeah, Josh, really, really tough, competitive kid, very versatile, uh, played really, you know, one through four in a lot of ways at Kansas. Um, athletic, has positional size, is kind of a two-three at six-eight. Not overly long, uh, kind of a skinny frame. Um, you know, I really like that he can pass. I think that's probably his most underrated skill. To me, he's kind of a high-end, you know, role-playing starter. Maybe he's never no, – that sounds kind of bad, but, I mean, not your first or second option as a scorer, but a guy who does pretty much everything else. Um, he's going to defend multiple positions. He can play with or without the ball. Uh, he's active, and he has a killer instinct about him. Uh, the question with him is, is really the jump shot. You know, he shot it fairly well. Um, at Kansas, but is a little bit erratic, doesn't shoot it well from the line. And he's kind of an emotional guy in general. You know, he's taken the anger management classes. He had some off-the-court trouble. Um, so I think, you know, it can go one of two ways. If he's able to kind of channel that um, in a positive way, in, in kind of a Draymond Green type of mentality, uh, then I think it can be a big asset. But he does kind of teeter that line of, 
you know, intense and crazy at times. His shot chart is such that on the right side from three, he's really good, and on the left side, he's terrible. Have you noticed anything over the years about players like that where they can figure it all out? Uh, I don't worry too much about that, you know, with um, the sample size of the college season. I mean, watching him in high school, he's always been a guy who's made shots. Like, even though he's not the most pure shooter and people worry about the free throw percentage, I think it's a little bit different for him um, in that it's more of a mental thing from the line. And he's a guy who's really a jump shooter. So when you go to the line and you're standstill um, and, and you're not all that confident in that part of your game already, uh, I think that's what leads to those results. But at the high school level, like this is a guy who's always made shots, always made shots on the move, off the dribble, off the catch. So he's going to make shots. It's just going to be in a streaky uh, streaky fashion, I think. Those are really good points. Appreciate it, Mike. Those are great. Let's go to Jonathan Isaac out of Florida State, uh, the 6'10", lanky, really lanky, almost uh, reminds me of Anthony Randolph a little bit uh, going in years past. Yep. What's your take on John? What's the breakdown on Jonathan Isaac? Yeah, I think he's one of the more intriguing prospects in this draft um, just because of his defensive versatility. I think he's a guy who can really guard almost one through four and maybe even one through five and, you know, just kind of how the NBA is going with, you know, we just saw Kevin Durant is playing center, LeBron is playing center. Um, so his defensive versatility, I think, is what makes him so intriguing. Uh, really a late bloomer. He was a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six wing, um, you know, the early part of his high school career. So he shot up uh, now about 6'11". Um, offensively, he's fairly versatile in that he can make a spot three. He can put it down a little bit. Um, he can play a little bit of pick and roll. Um, but I, I just think there's a little bit of somewhat of fool's gold with him in terms of his upside. Um, he's the type of guy where if you just kind of pop in his possessions and see, oh, we can do all these different things. Um, I just think that throughout the year at Florida State, there were some times when, you know, he kind of stood in the corner. He's not the most naturally aggressive guy. So I'm not sure he's ever going to be, you know, the star that people want him to be. Um, but with the way the league is going in, in his versatility, I think on both ends of the floor, you know, he's going to be an intriguing piece, but maybe not a star. All right, let's go to the kid who wowed everybody during the NCAA tournament with an incredible game, De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox, lightning quick, um, plays both ends of the floor, competitive kid. Uh, you know, I think probably the most functionally athletic guy in this draft, just in terms of, you know, quickness, change of speeds, uh, twitch, explosiveness at the rim. Um, on the lighter side, but has some positional size. Uh, fearless kid in that, you know, he's wiry strong, but he, he, he gets to the line a ton. Uh, you know, the biggest question with him is really his jump shot. Um, I, I think he's actually a better shooter than he showed at Kentucky. You know, at the high school level, obviously, uh, level of competition is much lower, but he was never a non-shooter. Uh, you know, I think he knocked down 10 threes and scored 50 points in, in one high school game. So, I mean, he's a guy who can get going. Um, it's just a matter of doing it with consistency. Uh, and then also learning the point guard position, I think, for him. You know, he was kind of more of a combo uh, earlier on in his career. I think he has good instincts, but just kind of knowing how to manage the game um, and really run the show and be a little bit less turnover prone. But dynamic, dynamic athlete who has a high upside if he can figure out that jumper. The jumper thing is is confusing because when I watch him, the mechanics look good. It's all smooth. It concerns me that he just might not have touch, right? You can't teach touch. Yeah, I think to 
you know, his credit, um, I think he has really good touch on floaters. You know, he has right hand, he has left hand. Uh, maybe he's not, you know, the most natural guy in terms of overall touch when you back him up a little bit. I think inside 15 feet, you know, 17, 18 feet, he gets better rotation. Like I said, the floater thing is encouraging. Um, I'm interested to see how he looks when, when you back him up. You know, that's kind of been a, a question for me with him as well is like, the more you back him up, the less rotation I've noticed he gets on his jumper. Um, so that's something to watch for, I think. But he's going to have to build kind of from, from inside out, be, get really good at that, you know, 17, 18-foot range, and then continue to extend. And you got to worry about anybody who wants to play for Sacramento. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go to the NC State fire plug, the point guard Dennis Smith. Yeah, a really explosive, powerful, uh, kind of a downhill driver. Once he gets his shoulders square to the rim, he's really tough to stop. Um, it's funny, you know, he and De'Aaron Fox were really similar level shooters uh, coming out of high school. And he, you know, obviously shot it a lot better this year, I think around 35%. So, you know, he projects as one of these three-level ball screen scorer types. Um, not the most natural pick-and-roll facilitator. I think has still has some room to grow as an overall point guard, he's kind of a guy who pounds it a little bit. Um, you know, the biggest questions for him are really uh, just on the defensive end and in terms of, um, you know, overall effort. The situation at NC State was not great. Um, you know, I think there were some, some jealousy factors with different teammates and guys didn't get along and the staff was fired midway through the season, but then they were kept on throughout the end of the year. Uh, and I think he was, you know, somewhat of a part of that just in terms of, the effort not always being there and kind of seeing NC State as a uh, just a quick pit stop before the NBA. So um, has some upside in terms of his ball screen play, ability to score at all three levels. But the question is, is he going to be a guy who impacts winning consistently? How concerned are you about him? It sounds like you're a little concerned. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I went out there this year, saw practice, saw a game. Um, and, you know, every guy is different, but just, you know, had his headphones in, was, was really kind of to himself, not a lot of camaraderie with other guys on the floor. Um, you know, understandable given the way the season was going, but uh, I know he's a worker and I don't think he's a bad kid by any means. Um, I just wonder about him getting other guys involved at a high level, him defending at a high level, and then he's not a perfect shooter either. I think that remains to be seen when you back him up. So, uh, you know, he there's a lot to like about him, but uh, I think there's a chance that maybe he doesn't maximize his potential. All right, let's continue through this. this is terrific stuff from Mike Schmidt's Draft Express. His strength and weakness videos are the best. The history, the chronology of these guys. The Draft Express site has just this incredible legacy of time uh, with all these players, and it's it's a fabulous site to make sure as you get close to the draft and you hear names around your team that you go and, and check out. And Mike's strength and weakness videos are just Truly terrific. Malik Monk out of Kentucky. Yeah, I think he's kind of your microwave score type of guy. Um, you know, some people want to say Monta Ellis, uh, obviously a better shooter, maybe a Bradley Beal, uh, you know, some Zach Levine, and a guy who doesn't have the best feel for the game or isn't, you know, the most natural decision maker, but can go off for 30, 40 points at the drop of a hat. I was at that. Uh, North Carolina game when he went for 47. Um, you know, he's a guy who can just get it going in a variety of ways. And I like that he's not a guy who needs a lot of dribbles to get it done. You can use him, you know, off of quick hitting actions, 
DHOs, things like that, one, two dribble pull-ups. Um, so, you know, I, re I really like his shot-making ability. I think he needs to improve, uh, you know, his ability to get in the lane, to get to the free-throw line, to manufacture easy buckets because um, he has some streaky game to him. You know, he'll go for 47 and then he'll go for six. Uh, it's just a tough way to live knocking down, you know, step back three after step back three. So I'm interested to see, you know, how his ball screen game and, and uh, you know, creating off the bounce against NBA-level athletes um, is going to develop, especially if a team drafts him and wants to play him on the ball some. I just – I don't think it's in his makeup to really be a lead guard. But if you're looking for a guy who can really, really score, um, he's the guy. But, you know, defensively he has to get better as well. More Lou Williams or more Bradley Beal? Yeah, I think a little bit more Lou Williams in the way he wants to play. Um, I think he's probably more talented at the same age. Um, you know, just his product. I mean, his production at that age in that conference. I don't think that can be understated. It's really, really hard to do. You know, come in and you know using that forty-seven point game again, but like, not a lot of freshmen do that. So I think he's more talented, um, but maybe not as you know overall polished as as Beal. Uh, let's go to Jason Tatum. Yeah, I think Tatum is a guy who's maybe even getting slept on a little bit. Um, to me, he's a top, you know, four prospect in this draft in that he's six, eight with a six eleven wingspan, really, really fluid. Um, you know, if you're, you, you go to a sports authority or sports chalet and, and you look at one of those mannequins, like he is the prototype, you know, wing, um, that, that teams are looking for in his build, uh, I, I think he's really good in that mid-post area, um, really good isolation player, has excellent footwork, can get to his shot really wherever, kind of inside 18 feet, high release. Uh, I've been working with Drew Hanlon uh, for a long, long time, you know, one of the better trainers in the game um, out of St. Louis, and he's just really, really polished. Um, I think he has a little bit better of a feel in terms of his passing ability than people think. Um, you know, also has some instincts defensively. Uh, I just think there are some questions about him stretching it to three consistently and the fact that he can be a little bit of a ball stopper, um, doesn't play the most free-flowing, you know, five-on-five five game. He's always been more of an ISO scorer, and his defensive intensity um, often leaves much to be desired. But to me, it's hard to find guys with that size and length who can go get you a bucket. His he becomes the number one, two, or three guy in this draft in retrospect. If what happens, I think if he shoots it consistently from three, uh, that's going to open up a lot for him. Um, he's going to be able to play off of closeouts. Um, I, I really like him as as kind of a small ball four. I think that's where he's going to have his best minutes. But if he can kind of speed up that release a bit, a little bit, and make spot threes while playing the three. Um, you know, I think he's going to be really, really tough cover. The out of Arizona, Lori Markkinen. Yeah, I really like Lowry in terms of his shot-making ability. Um, I think he's even a little bit more versatile than maybe we were able to see, you know, at Arizona. The college game, not as much spacing. A lot of teams are zoning. Everyone pretty much just switched everything on him and and he struggled to kind of get anything going on the block but I think he's a guy who you can run off of screens he's a guy you can pick and pop to space and let him play off of that he can shoot off the dribble he can shoot off of screens like I said um, he has a really really professional approach you know has a lot of FIBA games under his belt 
really, really hard worker. I think he's actually a little bit better of an athlete than he probably gets credit for. Um, you know, the biggest questions for him, I think, are on the defensive end. Uh, who does he guard at a high level? I, I worry about him a little bit more on the interior than I do on the perimeter. Uh, I think he got quite a bit of experience, you know, playing some four, chasing around guys like Miles Bridges throughout the year. I think his feet are actually better than people think. Um, it's just his toughness around the rim, his physicality. Uh, he's not going to be a guy who protects the rim. He doesn't defensive rebound at a high level. Um, so it's really that end of the floor where he's going to need to get better. I was going to ask you why uh, he's not hotter in the sense of that position, but I think you just answered that very, very well. All right, we now get into the stretch of guys who I can't pronounce their names. Um, so we go to OG. How is it? How do you pronounce Ananobi. it? Ananobi. OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi out of Indiana. Yeah, OG, I think, is one of the more intriguing prospects in this draft just to see, you know, how he's going to pan out. He wasn't even a top 200 recruit out of high school, um, kind of a Tom Crean sleeper fine, 6'8", uh, 200, about 230 pounds, 7'2", wingspan, really fits kind of what teams are, you know, looking for in terms of these small ball four. I mean, not really even so much small ball given his tools. Uh, but a four type who can maybe even play some small ball five, um, who can switch everything, guard multiple positions, and make a three. Uh, there, there are some questions about, you know, his feel for the game. Um, he's not very good with the ball. You know, he's not a great uh, shot creator. Um, he's a, a streaky shooter, and he's coming off an ACL tear. So, um, you know, and he's a guy who relies quite a bit on his his physicality, his athleticism. And he's, he's really not a big personality either. He's a very quiet kid. Um, just does, you, Sometimes you'd want to pull a little bit more out of him in terms of playing with, you know, consistent. He, he plays hard, but, like, playing with fire. Um, there aren't a lot of guys with his tools, so sometimes you'd like him, you know, to go up and pin a shot against the backboard when he's in position and maybe he doesn't. So, uh, you know, there is some theoretical prospect, I think, with him. Um, but, again, it's, it's hard to find guys with his size, length, defensive versatility who can make a shot i'm sometimes i understand there's Kawhi leonard's i understand there's guys that but i get nervous about guys that have not been big prospects the whole time when you're drafting them in the top 10 the history says that if you want players mcdonald's all-american nike hoop summit is that a valid criticism on my part or my concern on my part uh i think to some degree you know if the guy doesn't have a lot of confidence but i actually tend to like those guys um, you know, a guy like Markel Fultz, for example, he was very much a late riser. Um, a guy who, like I said, played junior varsity. He had a big school, but played junior varsity as a junior, you know, was never seen as really even a one and done prospect. Uh, when Washington was recruiting him, I think they thought he would be there for probably three or four years. Um, so I think there's something to be said about some of those guys who, who have a chip on their shoulder and who don't have um, you know, a sense of entitlement to them. Um, but I see how it can work both ways. Second in the list of can't pronounce their names. Point guard out of France. Who Somebody put the letters in the wrong order. How do you pronounce? <laughs> Nitali- Frank. Frank. Frank Tilikina. T- oh, the N is silent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, heard varying, I've heard varying reports <laughs> with that, but... Um, yeah, Frank Tilakina, uh, very, very interesting prospect to me. Um, about 6'6", with a 7-plus wingspan. 
actually playing in the France Pro A final right now for Strasbourg, has played big minutes in the playoffs. Um, his instant impact to me is going to be on the defensive end. He's a guy who plays with a lot of energy, a lot of intensity on that end, uh, great feet, really good instincts. Uh, going to fill out, I think, and have a really massive, uh, you know, strong frame. Um, and I like his ability to guard, you know, one through three. Uh, offensively, he's still a little bit of a work in progress. He has a nice feel for the game, but he's not, uh, you know, the most aggressive guy. Um, he struggles getting by guys at times, um, more kind of fluid than, you know, quick twitch, explosive with the ball. I think he's going to have a lot of success you know, playing off the ball early in his career because he can spot shoot a little bit and he's got a nice feel for the game, but he can also play pick and roll. So, you know, we saw him this summer, this past summer, uh, have a monster U18s for France um, and see him in kind of a more featured aggressive role. So maybe never going to be, you know, a star, but a guy who can guard multiple positions, has a nice feel for the game and can make a shot. Frankly, we're at the point of the draft where as much as everybody gets excited about it, you're now looking for guys to just stick, right? After 11 or 12 in a draft, you only about 50% of the players ever become rotation players. So, you know, we're all looking for the home run, but at some point you just want the, you know, as you said, not going to be a star. You want the guys who can stick around and play. Uh, let's go to Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville. Yeah, Donovan's a guy who's really, really helped himself, uh, I think, you know, through the pre-draft process last year struggled to shoot it. Um, you know, he's another guy who I remember going to the Jordan brand classic game in New York and he wasn't even in the main future game. He they have a regional game that's before that. It's kind of some local guys, you know, who are still, you know, top, most of them are top 100 recruits, but, uh, his ascension has been really impressive. Um, plays the game really hard, you know, six, three with a six ten wingspan, a really strong frame. So I think he's a guy who can comfortably guard, you know, ones, twos, and maybe even some threes, um, just given how physical he is. I think on the defensive end, that's going to where he where he's going to have his impact right off the bat. Um, greatly improved shooter. I think shot under 30% from three. You know, as a freshman, got that to about 35 this year. Uh, the best thing about Donovan is his mentality. He's a really, really intelligent kid. Um, he understands, you know, his role moving forward. You know, he mentions guys like Avery Bradley and, and kind of guys in his role. Uh, in his mold, um, and I think he's going to be able to step in and, and kind of know who he is. You know, at Louisville, he was asked to do a lot with the ball, and his decision-making wasn't always great. Uh, he's not exactly a true point guard. Um, and, you know, he's one of these guys who looks explosive in the open court because he's, he's kind of a two-foot load jumper, um, but he struggles to get off the floor in traffic. So he, he had some issues finishing this year. But, again, in that Avery Bradley type of mold, uh, a guy who can guard ones and twos is going to be really good defensively and, and can make a shot. I have to say on a personal level, and I, I have no idea if there's any validity to this at all, but guys like Donovan Mitchell are going to Sacramento, going to Utah, going to all these places and willing to work out in contrast to TJ Leaf, whose agent won't let him work out against anyone. I, I just somehow to me there's a message there. Like I've got the confidence, I'll work out, come see me, I don't mind, compared to have me be protected. I, I may be making this up in my head, but I don't know. There's something to that that I like. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. Donovan is that type of kid also. Uh, no fear, big-time worker, pros pro even at age 20. You know, I think Darren Fox is a guy who's really helped himself kind of by doing everything that he's been willing to do. You know, at his, at his pro day, um, you know, I think that his, his camp kind of maybe, you know, wanted him to go a little bit light. 
Um, and, you know, he said, no, like, I, I, this is my dream, you know what I mean? To go out and be able to play in front of Magic Johnson, to play in front of Phil Jackson and do this. Like, I want to go show him that I'm a stud. You know, he went to the combine. No one else went to the combine. Uh, he's willing to work out against others in a group. So I think to your point, uh, there, there's something to be said about that. T.J. Leaf out of UCLA. Yeah, T.J., uh, bouncy kid, had a, had a great year with Lonzo Ball at UCLA. Um, like I said, good athlete, um, can shoot the ball a little bit, you know, with time and space. I'm not sure he's quite the, the three-point shooter that his percentages suggest. I think some of that is kind of the Lonzo effect. Um, but you know, a better athlete than you think, I think he can, he can pass on the move. He can put it down a little bit. He can make a mid range pull up. So he has some versatility. Um, he's not the most physically tough guy. I think he's going to struggle on the defensive end. Um, you know, he had some issues guarding ball screens, guarding the interior this year. Um, and I think the, the kind of pace at which he has to get his, you know, the time he needs to get to his shot. Um, and, and backing up up to NBA three is, is going to be a little bit problematic, but um, could see him maybe being, you know, I've heard like a John Lure comparison. Um, maybe there's kind of a Wancho Hernan Gomez there in terms of an athletic guy who can, who can make a shot. Um, but I'm not quite as high on, on TJ as, as some. Like it, like the breakdown, like the honesty. Let's go to Justin Jackson out of North Carolina. Yeah, Justin's a guy who's really, really helped himself. Uh, obviously had a great, you know, season and, and tournament run. Um, was a McDonald's guy. Maybe took him a little longer to get going uh, than expected. Um, but has positional size at 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. Not a, you know, dunk contest type of athlete. But moves well, good feet. Uh, where he's really, really made himself valuable is that as, as a shooter. Um, he was very streaky, not a, not a great shooter coming into this year, but uh, knocked down a ton of threes this year in a variety of ways, has NBA range already, has a lot of confidence and poise to him, knows how to play, um, kind of an unorthodox game in that he's got all these floaters. He's not a guy who takes contact at the rim or really breaks you down off the dribble. But to me, he's kind of a plug-and-play wing um, who doesn't take a lot of dribbles to get anything going. He's an efficient player. Um, defensively, he's got to get a little bit tougher. Uh, he's like I said, you know, he's got to get tougher at the rim, but I really like Justin. I think he's a lottery level guy, um, you know, who's going to have a really, really good NBA career could be an NBA starter. Uh, this guy slipped a little bit in our mock draft, which I think was, is surprising. Zach Collins dropped all the way to 15. So Portland got him. Uh, what's your breakdown on Zach Collins? Yeah, I, I think Zach is very versatile, you know, for a big man. Uh, maybe doesn't have an elite skill yet, but can do a couple different things. You know, at seven foot one, uh, he's got a nice frame. He, he's a good athlete, um, moves his feet well in the perimeter. I think where he's going to have a lot of value eventually is, is as, you know, a stretch. Uh, it's not something he was able to do a ton at Gonzaga, just given his role. He was kind of more of a catch and finish offensive rebound type of guy. Um, but he's not, the most physical guy on the interior as a finisher and he doesn't have great length. So I think he'll have a little bit of trouble inside, you know, almost like the um, evolution of a, of a Sabonis who maybe had some trouble on the interior was able to figure out at least at the college level, how, how to stretch the floor. Um, so I think you're going to see him stepping out more. Um, he protects the rim. He has some versatility defensively. You know, I think some of the downsides for him, the, the mental stability at times, 
Um, his ability to play without fouling, his ability to kind of keep his cool. You know, he's, he's a good kid, a big-time worker, just puts a lot of pressure on himself um, and, and gets sped up a little bit. So I think being able to settle down and kind of come into his own uh, is going to be important for him. Terrence Ferguson, who spent a year in Australia instead of going to college. Uh, what's your breakdown on Ferguson? Yeah, he Ferguson is a dunk contest style of athlete, you know, really explosive um, in the open floor. Hasn't really found a way to translate that to actual half-court game play uh, because he's not a great ball handler. But his biggest strength, I think, coming in is going to be shooting the ball. Um, I really like his ability to stretch the floor. You know, he catches on balance, releases at the same point of his jump every time. I mean, it's it's really, really consistent, and I, I like the way he shoots the ball. And he's also a willing defender. Um, he has some size, you know, for, for his position at the two. Not the strongest guy, but uh, I think he's shown us in the past that he's willing to sit down in a stance, slide with guys. And, you know, that league in Australia is not, it's not a cakewalk. It's not like, you know, China where guys are just going to get numbers. I mean, it's a physical league. Uh, and I think he came in, you know, played a role, uh, hit guys, was more physical than I've seen him in the past. So, you know, for him, it's just about being more than just a catch-and-shoot guy, being able to think the game, doesn't have a great feel, uh, and, and is not a guy who's going to really put the ball on the floor all that often. So 3-and-D um, style of prospect um, just still has some areas to polish up. Uh, you hanging in all right? This, this is fabulous. It's going to sound just amazing. You you hanging in? You need a glass of water? You all right? Yeah. You all no, right? I'm good. It's okay. uh, it's good practice for me. Good reps. All right. Good, man. You're fabulous at this. Uh, Jawan Evans out of Oklahoma State. In our mock draft, he jumped up to 17, which was a little bit of a surprise, I think. But I've talked to some coaches who really like him an awful lot despite uh, his size. What's your breakdown on Evans? Yeah, I think if you take, you know, the, the size away – and you take kind of the NBA projection away, and you're talking about who are the best, like, pure basketball players in this draft, um, I think he's up there just because he's a tremendous ball screen player, um, really plays an NBA style and his ability to kind of snake ball screens, get to the middle of the floor, you know, put guys in jail by keeping them on his back, dropping in floaters, uh, you know, using both sides of the floor as a pick-and-roll passer, even though he doesn't have great size. Um, not exactly a, a Tyler Eulis in, in terms of his, you, you know, ability to lock you up on the defensive end. I do like that he has some length for his position with a six five and a half wingspan. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, he can really, really go. Uh, fits the modern NBA just with his, like I said, his ball screen uh, play, his ability to make shots, you know, off the dribble. Uh, finishing is a bit of a concern for him. And I think just defending, you know, these big guards that we're seeing more of in the NBA might limit him to more of a, a backup role. Um, but, you know, I think eventually he's going to be one of, the, one of the better, you know, backup point guards in, in the league. Luke Kennard out of Duke. Really impressed with Luke. Uh, just kind of the jump, you know, he made his sophomore season. I think he's actually a better player than, you know, even he gets credit for. We Obviously, we have him at, at number 11, so quite high on him. Um, I like his ability to operate on and off the ball. Has a lot of versatility offensively. He's a guy you can run off of pin downs um, and can really play off that because he can catch and shoot. 
Uh, he can put it down and get to floaters with either hand, and he can really pass. He can kind of hit that slip man and make quick reads. Um, he, he's a really big-time shooter uh, off the catch, and he can really also play out of ball screens. Um, you know, he actually compares himself a little bit to Rodney Hood, somebody that you're obviously familiar with, um, you know, good size, lefty, uh, who can shoot it in a couple different ways, play out of pick and roll. Um, so I think Luke is actually going to be able to play, you know, a little bit more combo and point guard uh, than, than people think. Um, the downside with him is, is on the defensive end. He really struggled there at Duke. You know, is he going to be more uh, than, a you know, kind of a one-side player? Um, he is smart. He does have some positional size, so that will help him. Um, but, that, you know, that's really the biggest downside with him. But offensively, he's a hell of a player. I'm hearing more and more people think he's a he's a point guard or at least ball ball in your hands wing type player. Yeah, I think you can really use him on the ball because he's crafty. Um, you know, some people have said Manu Ginobili. I don't think he's that because he's not a he's a decent athlete. He's not a great athlete. He doesn't have those long strides. You know, dragging out the the pick and roll big defender, but. Um, you know, he can keep guys on his back. He can, he's ambidextrous, so he can finish with either hand. Um, he has great footwork. He can get the mid-range shots. He can make a pocket pass. Uh, there's just He has a lot of game. He has a lot of confidence. At his pro day, you know, these one-on-one workouts, you know, take what you want from him. But a ton of guys in the gym, big names, Chris Paul, NBA players, Magic Johnson, all these guys, and he put it on an absolute show. Um, so I, I think Luke is a gamer and a guy who has a lot of value as a lottery pick. And one day people will stop comparing players to Hall of Famers. That would help. Um, let's, <laughs> yeah. go, let's go to Texas's Jarrett Allen. Jarrett, one of the more interesting cases, I think, in this draft. Uh, physically, one of, you know, he's a stud. He's got a seven, five and a half wingspan, um, nice frame up top, runs like a deer when he gets going. Uh, massive hands. He had some poster dunks this year just on his length and kind of hand size alone. And on top of that, he has touch, um, right-hand jump hooks, you know, short-range push shots. I think he's going to be able to stretch it to probably 15, 16 feet eventually. Um, In theory, he can switch, protect the rim. So there's a lot to like in terms of what he could maybe become. Um, The issue with Jared is, you know, there have been some questions about, how much does he like basketball? You know, he looks – he's a little bit of a different kid, um, very, very intelligent, but maybe not always – you know, doesn't come from a huge basketball background. Um, not one of these guys who's you're probably going to see at an AAU tournament in his downtime. Um, so that's the biggest question for him is kind of revving that motor up consistently um, and how good does he really want to be. Harry Giles out of Duke. Harry Giles was a big-time high school, you know, prospect coming out, um, had multiple knee surgeries on both knees. So that really set him back this year just in terms of his his rust and ability to think the game at a high level. Um, I, I think he had some issues staying out of foul trouble. But when you take that stuff away and, and you look at, you know, the physical profile and his fit, I think in today's league, you know, there's definitely some intrigue. He's 6'11 with a 7'3 wingspan, you know, big hands, can – sit down and slide. I think he's going to be able to switch pick and rolls. I think he's going to be able to guard fours, uh, protect the rim a little bit, um, spaces the floor vertically as a, as a lob catcher. Um, I think he's lost a little bit of pop uh, in, in his feel for the game. Also offensively is not great. 
Um, he's not a guy who's going to really go get you a bucket. Um, 15, 17 feet, not the most reliable shooter, touch around the rim, has room to improve. So to me, he's more of an energy big off the bench, uh, energy five off the bench, who, you know, plays really hard, is going to switch screens, block shots, offensive rebound, do those things, uh, but maybe never a feature guy, uh, you know, in the half court. And what could have he been? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if he didn't lose that athleticism, you know, some people, not that he's lost it all, but there's definitely, um, you know, some pop that he used to have. You know, some people said, you know, Amari Stoudemire, things like that. To me, I really, I kind of always saw him more as, uh, you know, what I mentioned, but could have maybe just done that to a higher degree. Um, but, you know, he had his moments uh, showing a little bit of skill, but I always thought, he was going to be more of kind of a high motor energy athlete who, who flies around and, and, and plays really hard. So probably what he's going to be just, just at a higher level. Uh, let's go out of use at a SMU uh, semi Ojale. Is that how you pronounce it? Did I do, did I get one right? Actually? Yeah. <laughs> Shemi. Shemi. Oh, Ojale. Shemi. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I was so excited no, okay. that I had the last name, right. That I, uh, you know, I don't have to pronounce these guys correctly for another four months. Then I'll figure it out. Yeah, there you go. I'm still working on it, too. Um, yeah, Shemi's a guy I really like. I think, you know, he, when it's all said and done, looking back, could be a guy who we look at as a, a top 20 type of prospect. Uh, was a, was at Duke, um, kind of, you know, wilting away on their bench a little bit, transferred to SMU, uh, had a huge role for them this year, playing the four, playing inside, playing outside, uh, really extended his range, became a more consistent three-point shooter, just a monster physically, um, you know, looks almost like an NFL player more than he does a basketball player and that he's 240 pounds with 5% body fat. So uh, he's going to be one of the better well-conditioned, you know, athletes on your team. Um, great feet. I, I think he's a guy who's going to be able to guard, at least try to guard kind of these power wings. Nobody can guard LeBron, but he's, he's a guy who can at least kind of put a body on him and, and, and try to slide with him on the perimeter. Um, and I like his ability to operate kind of from that mid post, uh, to pick and pop the space, make a three, um, you know, some of his downsides, he, he's not, uh, you know, his feel for the game is, is just kind of okay. Um, he's always kind of wanted more to be a finesse guy than, you know, his tools would suggest, um, wasn't the defender you'd probably like him to be at SMU, um, instincts off the ball were just okay. And he's not overly long you know he has about a six nine and a half wingspan but so many biceps coming out of that body his his uh, reach um isn't really ideal for kind of a you know one of these four small ball type of fours we're looking at but i like shemmy a lot competitive kid really focused uh, i think he's gonna you know maximize his potential and be a long time uh, nba player and of course in our mock draft the thunder took him so it'll work out perfectly for him uh justice <laughs> yeah. justin Patton out of creighton Justin Patton, really agile, seven-footer, uh, kind of a late bloomer as well, a guy who redshirted actually his freshman year, came in at probably, you know, a shade over 200 pounds, um, has really worked on his body. Um, I like his ability to step out and, and switch. Um, I like his activity, and I think he has some skill, you know, that, that we haven't uh, fully seen, you know, consistently. He'd step out and knock down a three occasionally, showed a little bit of vision as a passer. Um, so he's kind of a blank slate 
his role at Creighton was more so as a lob catcher, which he did at a really, really high level, one of the better field goal percentages um, in this draft. So he has some value, I think, there. He has some value as a rim runner. He has great feet. Uh, defensively, he's going to be able to switch, protect the rim a little bit. Uh, he's just not the most physical guy. Really, really struggled uh, to defensive rebound, struggled to stay out of foul trouble. Um, he's very emotional, you know, on the floor at times, uh, you know, still has to work on his, his maturity a little bit. So I think it's going to be a little time before he's able to impact the game, um, you know, at the NBA level. But uh, there, there is some intrigue with him and a seven-footer with some skill who, who can do some things on both ends. All right, you're working your way through it. We're almost there, my man. You're going to hang in. No passing out, though, all right? Yeah, I'm trying. We're good. We're good. All right, John Collins, Wake Forest. John Collins, a guy I'm quite high on, uh, really just ran through, you know, he was a sophomore, but really the age of, of most freshmen just ran through the ACC like it was nothing. Um, and really as a guy who didn't even shoot the ball outside of, you know, 15, 17 feet, uh, so I think for him to average, you know, pretty much 19 and 10 in that conference at that age, uh, you know, speaks to his his motor, um, you know, just his production, really, really impressive. I, to me, he's, he's really not all that different than a guy like Marquise Chris, who obviously went really high in last year's draft. I think Chris, you know, shot it better um, at the same age, you know, could stretch it to three a little bit better. But I think John could get there. Uh, both guys who struggled defensively, you know, John Collins has never been a guy who's really been asked to defend. Um, so he had a lot of struggles there, uh, kind of similarly to Chris, um, and, and a little bit of a non-passer in terms of not a guy who thinks the game at a really high level. So it's, it's tough to find too many comps for him because functionally he's actually kind of more of a five in that he operates uh, more so inside of 15, 17 feet. But he's a freak athlete. He plays super hard. He rebounds the ball. Um, I, I just I believe in his production. I believe in his motor, at least on the glass and offensively. Uh, he's a worker. He's a big personality. So I could see John Collins, you know, going uh, in that late lottery range and turning into a really good NBA player. So if this guy's a late uh, second half first round guy, he's your steal of the draft. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to think that John Collins is going to you know, go in the late teens or even in the 20s, um, especially you put this guy in a workout, heads at the rim, shooting it better than, you know, I think people thought at Wake Forest. Um, so, like I said, there are some questions about, like, okay, can he think the game at a high enough level? How long is it going to take for him to figure out how to defend? Um, but just with how hard he plays, how physical he is for his size, um, he just gets stuff done, and, and I would bet on him. Let's stay ACC with Tony Bradley, North Carolina. Yeah, Tony Bradley played a, you know, not a huge role um, on that North Carolina team, but was really one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. Um, has elite tools in terms of his length. Uh, yeah, I think he has like a 9-4 standing reach, which is tremendous, you know, even amongst NBA centers. Uh, has some touch inside the paint. Um, has a solid IQ, you know, played within himself, knows what he is. Uh, he's just kind of a throwback in that he doesn't space the floor. Um, he's not a guy who's going to really switch pick and roll. Uh, he's more of these, you know, eat offensive rebounds, 
um, throw his weight around, you know, finish inside the paint. I think he's going to be able to, you know, develop a 15, 17-foot jumper. Um, But to me, I think his his long-term upside and kind of fit in this NBA um, is a little bit in question. But he's still an NBA player who's a big body, who knows how to play, who's going to be really good in the offensive class. He he just – he needs to stay in shape. He's got – kind of one of these frames I think that could uh could blow up if if he doesn't uh you know really really take care of his body it's an interesting uh the two there's two guys that are kind of similar players it's an interesting discussion Tony Bradley's got this young kind of doughy body and the kid out of Indiana has this very cut strong body uh I'm forgetting his last name it starts with a b also uh and very skinny legs and it's a it's just interesting question of like so if you're a team and you're developing a 19 year old kid which body would you rather have the big huge doughy frame who you know needs to be able to shed some weight or the smaller you know more cut in shape frame but you've got to add weight to it yeah i think uh, you know, to me, Thomas Bryant. Um, Thank you. In terms of his physical, yeah, in terms of his physical, you know, overall frame is probably more interesting, um, just given where the league is trending. But uh, you know, the issue more so with him is he's just not very fluid in the hips. So while, while he does look like a guy who is probably a better athlete, um, I think he actually has a lot of the a lot of the same you know struggles, kind of defending pick and roll and. Uh, stepping out on the perimeter as a guy like Tony Bradley. Killing my pick right there. Uh, <laughs> DJ Wilson out of Michigan. Really interesting kid. Uh, late bloomer was really a six, seven uh, kind of a wing shooter coming up, you know, in the, in the high school ranks ended up at Michigan, but his, his recruitment was, was really later on um, seven, three wingspan, you know, 240-pound frame, uh, really looks like the style of a big you want in today's NBA. He stretches the floor. He can handle it. He can put it down and, and uh, playmake a little bit. can, you know, shoot off the dribble some. Uh, really helps himself later in the year, um, in, you know, in their conference tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Um, just his ability to switch, pick, and roll, I think, is really interesting as well. He's very light on his feet. Uh, the, so, I mean, in theory – He's everything you want. I think he's a guy who could go in the top 20. Um, you know, the questions with him are really toughness. Uh, he does, he's never rebounded the ball at a high rate. He's always been more of a finesse over, you know, physicality type of guy. Um, is he going to, you know, protect the rim consistently if he's at the five? Um, is he going to, you know, think the game at a high enough level and, and kind of handle you know, uh, aggressive defenses and, and, and ball pressure. Um, he's just, I, he's a little bit soft. So I think that's the question for him. Um, and he, you know, could use a little bit more experience uh, playing at a high level. But again, all the things I talked about in terms of the length, uh, the shooting ability, the switch ability, uh, a lot to like with him. The uh, Jordan Bell out of Oregon. High motor, uh, runs the floor, uh, defends everybody, was really a huge part of the reason Oregon was as good as they were just because of the defensive versatility he provided. He's an excellent offensive rebounder. I think the thing about him that often gets overlooked is he's, he's also a really, really good passer. And I think that's important for a guy, you know, who's not overly skilled as a scorer, who's maybe not going to stretch the floor, 
um, or shoot the ball much from the perimeter. But in those kind of short rule situations, I like that he's athletic to the rim and I like that he can, he can find guys. Um, so he, to me, very interesting kind of in that late first round range. Um, he's going to protect the rim for you. He's going to switch ball screens. Uh, he's going to play above the rim. Um, he's just, he's a little small, uh, kind of even for, you know, the way things are trending, he's cut, but he's a little narrow. Um, and he physically, I think he kind of is what he is in a lot of ways, you know, 22 years old, not all that long, 6'11 wingspan. So those are the more questions for him. How does that impact, you know, it, can he be more than, you know, a, a Tarek Black type of guy who comes in and, and murders the offensive rebound or offensive glass and, and gives you energy? Um, can he play more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game at the NBA level? Incredible knowledge on all these guys, Mike. Just just amazing. You can get all more at Draft Express with his strength and weakness videos and, and the, all the work Mike puts out. Just truly, truly awesome. Uh, also worth noting on draft night, and I'm going to be streaming it from Japan, is my hope, uh, is the vertical show. Mike will be on the vertical draft show on draft night. Uh, I'll actually will be out of the country, so that's my, I think, 7 a.m. Japanese time. I'm hoping to stream your show. So, um, you know, you can, nice. give, you can give me a little shout-out. Like in little, it was, is Ni Hao Chinese or Japanese? I don't know. Um, all right. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Derek White out of Colorado. Quite a story. Uh, he went in our first round of our mock draft. What's your take on Derek White? Yeah, quite a story is right. Uh, D2 transfer really had no offers out of high school. Was a scrawny 6'1 guard. Uh, was going to go to an NAIA school, I believe, a local school. Um, but then that coach ended up taking a D2 job brought him with him, um, really evolved in three years at that school, transferred to Colorado, and, you know, his first year playing Division One basketball exploded for 18 points a game, you know, in the Pac-12. So uh, tremendous ascension for him. One of my favorite prospects in this draft in terms of guys who maybe aren't talked about um, all that much, just really, really smooth. I, you know, a big guard, I think, who can play on or off the ball, has an excellent feel for the game, can shoot off the dribble, can shoot off the catch, um, somewhat of a sneaky athlete, not a guy who always gets by you, but every once in a while he'll rise up and bang, you know, bang one on you. So um, just really smooth, knows how to play, uh, instinctual defensively, you know, needs to get stronger, um, has a little bit of a, you know, skinny, uh, kind of an awkward frame to him, about 200 pounds, not great defensively, um, average length you know, for his position. So I think he's going to need to get better on the, on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, I think he'll be, find a way to be adequate. Uh, to me, he's a guy who's going to come in the NBA and, and have an impact immediately. Maybe not to the same degree of a Malcolm Brogdon, um, you know, not as long, not as physical, but I, I just, I really like his ability to, to play. He's just, he's just a hooper. What position? I would play him on the ball. Uh, I think he's really interesting on the ball because he's a good uh, ball screen player and because he can really pass. Um, but, you know, if you have multiple ball handlers, I think in the backcourt, maybe another guy who has a little bit more zip to him, who's maybe going to put more pressure on the rim, um, whereas he's more of a methodical athlete, more smooth, more skill-based, uh, I think that could be a good pairing. Frank Jackson out of Duke. Frank, powerful athlete. Uh, you know, can play above the rim in space. Um, you know, if you ask uh, the, you know, the P3 sports science guys who do a phenomenal job and have worked with the Jazz for a long time um, out, out in Santa Barbara, you know, they say he's one of the better 
you know, athletes in terms of sheer force he generates um, that, that they've ever tested. So uh, I, I think he's going to be able to, you know, put pressure on the rim, be physical, getting downhill. He, he's really at his best when he can kind of square his shoulders to the rim and, and um, play that, you know, kind of thunderous, powerful style. Um, can also shoot it. I like that he can shoot it off the catch. He can make a one or two dribble pull up. Um, to me, he's not a point guard. Uh, I don't really see him as a combo guard either. I think he's actually kind of a, strictly a two guard. Um, so he's going to need to, you know, get better in terms of his decision making. Um, you know, obviously had a had a foot injury that's kind of sidelined him. I had surgery, I believe, um, sidelined him throughout the pre-draft, you know, workout pro- process. But uh, I like him as an off the bench, you know, scorer type change of pace guard. Caleb Swanigan out of Purdue. One of the better, you know, big men in, in uh, college basketball. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how he fits just in, in the league. You know, one of these guys where you really have to think long and hard about how his game translates because, um, you know, had some struggles, I thought, you know, defending ball screens and, and, you know, getting up and down. Improved athlete. I mean, a tremendous story. A kid that was pretty much homeless and, uh, you know, 300 plus pounds, uh, really out of shape. So, I mean, for him to be where he is today is remarkable. And he's a guy who you think, you know, given his mentality is, is going to be able to, you know, maximize his, his potential at the NBA level. I like him as kind of a second unit big um, can play, you know, that old school style a little bit. Um, and I think the key is going to be stretching the floor, shot the ball really, really well from three this year. We need to see if that's a mirage or not, because if it's not, um, you know, I think you have a really interesting player because he can pass. Um, he can actually put the ball down a little bit for his size. He has touch in the paint, but if he's not stretching it, I'm not sure he's a dynamic enough, you know, post score and, and kind of inside 15 feet presence um, to overcome some of the, the issues defensively, but really rebounds, very productive, going to be in the league a long time. It's just a matter of to what level. And the uh, final pick of what was our mock draft is Frank Mason out of Kansas. I like, uh, nice. I like Frank sneaking in that, that first round. Uh, tough as nails. Um, he's going to find a way to stick. Uh, just has, you know, big balls, not afraid of the moment, made a ton of big shots at Kansas. Uh, we'll get it, get up into you and defend. He's, he's physical. Um, I think he plays a little bit bigger than his size just because he's not afraid of contact. He's, he's tremendous in transition. He's really turned himself into an outstanding three-point shooter. Um, again, maybe never an NBA starter just because of the size, because he's, he's also not the most natural point guard. He's more of a kind of a change of pace guy, you know, who's at his best when he's putting pressure on the rim and then, he, you know, he can make a spot three. But um, I think he's a guy who you bet on all day long just because of his toughness, uh, his willingness to play both ends, um, and, and just, you know, his production at a high level. Um, I don't think, you know, you can understate that either. All right, so we left out in our mock draft of 30 on the Lockdown Podcast Network, we left out a few guys that are notable. So as we head toward this, just thinking of the second round, give me just kind of your take if you think any of these are huge emissions or guys that really are going to make it. The, the, notice, the noticeable four I think we left out are uh, Ike on a uh, – I hate these – I'm so bad at this stuff. On a uh, 
Bogu. Is that right? I think uh, who's uh, I think Ike Ike Anigbogu. Anigbogu out of UCLA. Uh, Bam out of Kentucky. Uh, Johan Bolden out of Australia and uh, Pas Pasenikis. Is that is that my close? Anje. It's uh, Anje Pasetchniks. So I, I missed on all of them. Thank God our guys didn't draft him. I landed on <laughs> myself here. Out of Latvia. Of the uh, quick kind of thoughts, you don't have to give a whole breakdown on them or if you want to, but just those, those I think are the four noticeable guys that we that we left out of our mock that slipped out, surprisingly slipped out of our first round. Yeah, I think three of those guys are for sure first round picks. For me, I think Ike is a guy who, you know, could definitely go in the top 20, if not higher. Um, didn't play a huge role at UCLA, but I think he's really what you're looking for in terms of a guy who uh, protects the rim at a really high rate, plays super hard, knows what he is. He's the age, really, of, you know, an incoming freshman, seven six wingspan, uh, 250 pounds, shredded frame, uh, can run the floor, can catch lobs. You know, he's he's one of these bench bigs, I think, who – uh, can change the game with his energy, his rim protection, his lob catching. Um, he's had some injury, you know, issues uh, throughout the workout process, um, had some throughout the year as well, so he's not really doing anything for anyone. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But th- to me, he's a top 20 pick. Um, I think Bam Adebayo, interesting as well, probably a guy who goes in the top 25, um, athletic. I think he's going to be able to switch everything at the NBA level. Uh, the question with him, and has some skill, more skill than he was able to show at Kentucky. The question for him is, you know, is he willing to accept the role that um, he'll likely have in the NBA? You know, a guy like Ike knows what he is, going to do the little things, whereas Bam, I think, um, has spent a lot of his, you know, time trying to prove that he's a four and that he can play on the perimeter. Um, so I think, you know, kind of accepting using his freakish athleticism um, and, and doing more on the glass and on the defensive end will serve him well. Uh, Pasechnik's also a really, really intriguing guy. You know, we just saw him work out out in L.A. Uh, Latvian uh, played at Gran Canaria in Spain. Uh, moves really, really well for 7'3". Uh, can catch lobs. You know, he's as good as a roll man in, in ball screens. Um, and can stretch the floor a little bit. He's not a dynamic three-point shooter, but I think he's a guy who can make, you know, an occasional three when he has time and space. Um, and can protect the rim a little bit. Not the toughest guy. Uh, needs to get a little bit tougher. Needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, and naturally gets a lot of the Porzingis comparisons, which I think is far off. Um, and, and he, you know, has told us that as well, that he's kind of trying to pave his own path. Um, but, again, I think a guy you could hear, you know, in the top 20 as well. Interesting stuff. Mike, uh, what, are, what are the plans between now and draft? You've got the vertical show you're going to be on. Anything else we should mention for people to grab? Uh, nothing too much. We have a couple, uh, you know, big projects still coming. Um, some video work that I'm going to do kind of on some of the top guys, get a little bit more creative. Uh, yeah, and then I'm heading out to New York for the, for the draft show uh, early next week. Um, and then – yeah, so it should be exciting. Great group of guys, uh, fun times. So hopefully, we can uh, we can even outdo last year. Thanks so much for your time. You're so generous with it. I know people love it. Appreciate you dealing with my lack of pronunciation. Um, I'll figure these guys out by October. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's no easy feat, man. I appreciate you having me, David. Your knowledge is incredible. Appreciate the time so much. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot.